he did not shield his face from buffets. That was in our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, one of the the songs of the, the servant, the servant songs, right? These kind of prophetic words that map so beautifully onto what Jesus underwent for us. And that line, he did not shield his face from buffets, right? When, when people betrayed him, when they hit him, when they spit on him, when they hurt him, when they betrayed him, he didn't, he didn't shield himself. He allowed that to happen to him. He, he received those buffets, those, those horrible injustices. He received those. And I think one of the moments in, in that, that gospel that we just listened to together, where we see this in action very, very vividly, is actually not, not when, when the nails are being driven into his hands and his feet. It's not when even all these kind of strangers at the foot of the cross are mocking him. It comes before the trial. It comes right then where, where Peter is, is there in the courtyard, right? Warming his hands. And three different times over the course of a couple of hours, actually. I don't know if you caught that. But it's over the course of a couple of hours. People keep asking him, you're one of them. You're, you're one of those guys that followed Jesus for the last three years. And each time, three times, Peter says, no, you got the wrong guy. That's not me. I don't know. I don't know that person. I don't know Jesus. And then there's that moment, right? It's the only gospel that gives us this detail. And the Lord turned and looked at, at Peter. The Lord looked at Peter. He turned his face. He did not shield his face from those three betrayals, those buffets, from one of his best friends, right? Peter, one of the first people that he chose. One of the, the only person that recognized him for who he was, the Christ, the son of the living God, right? God the Father revealed this to Peter. Holy moly, what a, what a blessing. What a blessing that Peter had received. And yet, Jesus did not shield his face when his friend was, was betraying him in this really deep and profound way. Three times. Denied him three times. Jesus looks at him. If you've ever watched The Passion of the Christ... I think they, they capture this moment really amazingly. It's like in slow motion, and Peter looks, and Jesus looks, and there's this moment of like intimacy, and like they know what just happened. And it's, it's, it's gut-wrenching. But I wonder, what is in that look of the Lord? What, what, is he, what does that communicate to Peter? Because I don't believe for one second that Jesus was looking at his best friend Peter with like this accusatory look. He wasn't looking at him and saying, look, you screwed up. Look what you did. I can't believe you did this. I told you you were going to do this and then you did it. Look, look at what you've done. That's not how Jesus was looking at Peter. The way that Jesus was looking at Peter was not with shame or with accusation. It was a look of loneliness and pain. It was a look 
of loving concern. It's a look of deep thirst. He's reaching out to Peter. And in that one look, Peter says, or Peter recognizes Jesus as the one that he's betrayed. And I think that Jesus is saying in that moment to Peter something that he says to each one of us. Because each one of us has betrayed the Lord by our own choice, by our own sins. Three times, please. I've betrayed him three times today. Multiple times, hundreds of times, thousands of times. But Jesus says to Peter in that one little look, Behold this heart which loves so much, yet is loved so little. Do me the kindness, you at least, of making up for all ingratitude as far as you can. These are the words of, of Jesus to actually Margaret Mary Alacoque, who's in one of our stained glass windows over there, where she sees this image of the sacred heart of Jesus. And what Jesus is saying there and saying, look, look at this heart. This heart is being crushed. This heart is being pierced. This heart is so willingly receiving all of the wounds for you. And if, if you can do anything, all you, can, all you have to do is just show a little bit of kindness and make up for a little bit of the ingratitude because this heart is so little loved. What do we do when we see that look of the Lord, though? Like, do we internalize it as kind of that accusation? Do we think of it as like, oh my gosh, I, I messed up, it's over? Because I think that's kind of how Peter reacts, at least in the moment. He turns and runs away, right? He weeps bitterly. He just turns his tail. But he didn't have to. Peter did not have to run away weeping. He should be sorrowful. He should feel guilty. He should feel convicted. But he did not have to run away. He could have, he could have chosen to stay. He could have allowed that, that look of the Lord, that piercing look, to inspire him. It could have been an inspirational moment for him. It could have been the moment where he's like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to go with you to the end, which is exactly what he promised, right? That's what he promised to the Lord. I, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll die for you, Lord. In that little look, if he could have only seen in the Lord's eyes mercy and this loneliness that's like reaching out, Peter, please be with me in my suffering. Comfort me. Don't leave. If he could have only seen that in Jesus' eyes in that moment, then he could have been motivated to go all the way, all the way to Calvary, and he could have stood at the bottom of that cross just as powerlessly as anybody else there. Just like Mary and John and Mary Magdalene and all the others, right? He could have been there with them. He belonged there with them. He could have said, my friend needs me, and I can't help him right now. And I just betrayed him, but he wants me to be here with him. That's what the invitation is this Holy Week as we enter into this most holiest of times. Because we've all looked at the Lord in that moment, right? We've all seen him look at us like that. And I encourage you, don't, don't think for a second that he is accusing you. He's giving you the opportunity to say, to, to say, yes, I will come and follow you. I will walk with you on the way of the cross. 
I am sorry for my sins, and I will allow you to go and die for me. I will allow you to be my Savior. I'll end with these words of Pope Benedict XVI. Before Jesus' gaze, all falsehood melts away. Isn't that beautiful? In the look of Jesus, all falsehood melts away. This encounter with him, as it burns us, transforms and frees us, allowing us to become truly ourselves. His gaze, the touch of his heart, heals us through an undeniably painful transformation as through fire. But it is a blessed pain in which the holy power of his love sears through us like a flame, enabling us to become totally ourselves and thus totally of God. Let Jesus look at you in his suffering. Comfort him by allowing him to look at you with tenderness and with mercy. Let him be your savior.